0: Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Patrick. The last episode I published was some three weeks ago. I took a break to do my uh, yearly spiritual exercises retreat, according to the method of St. Ignatius of Loyola, which is normally for us uh, priests, it's about a seven day retreat. Then I had a time of vacation with my religious community. So now I'm back and I can resume where I left off. I was saying that in the last episode I published, uh, I spoke about the life of Blessed Solanus Casey, whose body is buried here in Detroit. And there were many areas or events in his life that merited a little bit more reflection or explanation, but I didn't want to make that episode too long. So in this episode, I will develop a bit more, some ideas and reflections on some of the events in his life and some spiritual insights that we can take from his life and his teachings. So I'm not claiming, of course, to make a full analysis of his spiritual life, but just to reflect only on some aspects that might be useful to you, that were useful to me or that inspired me in some way. Uh, And so in that way, uh, the episode doesn't go too long either. It's it's probably going to be long because there's a lot of good material to learn from Solanus Casey. One of the first things that uh, caught my attention in his biography was uh, regarding the discernment of his vocation to religious life and the priesthood. First off, when Solanos Casey was around 17 or 18 years old, uh, at that time he was called Barney by his family and his friends, he met a young woman, Rebecca Tobin, and he started dating her. And he was clearly interested in marrying her because later he proposed to her. However, it was not uh, to happen because his her mother, who was uh, against that relationship, poor Barney, uh, she sent Rebecca off to a boarding school, so that they could not see each other again. So then he continued. uh, He was heartbroken, of course, but he continued meeting people and became interested in another girl called Nellie O'Brien. But this time he was a little bit more uh, cautious before proposing. And it was because of other events that he ended up discerning, eventually, the priesthood. What is important that I wanted to highlight in this, uh, simple, these simple events is that usually young people think that if they're interested in getting married, which is the most natural thing to want to do, they think it clearly means that are, they are not called to religious life or to the priesthood. But the life of Solanus Casey and the life of so many other saints, priests and religious, uh, shows that there is that 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 is not the case moreover i would say that having an inclination to marriage is a most natural thing and therefore completely reasonable that any person called to the priesthood or to religious life would or even should have an inclination to want to be married and there what i would say is that the idea that you might be inclined to marriage does not mean That you should definitely not consecrate your life to God. On the contrary, everyone should discern at some point of their lives to see if God would call or if God is calling them to be priests or sisters or religious. And your inclination to marriage is a natural thing. That means that you have a good natural inclination, which means that you could actually be called to marriage but also that you could also be called to consecrate yourself to our Lord, offering that desire for marriage to God as a spiritual sacrifice. So, if we did not have an inclination to marriage, what would we be offering if we consecrate ourselves? What would, be, what would be our offering when we do a vow of celibacy or of chastity? Uh, moreover, I would say, when you see a priest or a sister or a consecrated woman In a sense, you have to think of a person who wanted to be married, would have liked to get married, had an inclination to get married, and offered up to God as a sacrifice, as a holocaust, in order to love God more completely and with an undivided heart. So that is uh, somewhat important, I think, uh, to see that he actually had gotten to the point of proposing to this uh, young woman, Rebecca Tobin, and then ended up uh, embracing the priesthood. Now, another aspect of his discernment is that when he was told to leave the seminary because of his low grades, he he had entered first the the, um, uh, diocesan priesthood, a seminary, and then he was told to leave. He had low grades. But it was suggested to him that he look into the Capuchins, a religious order, which was a branch of the Franciscan order. So he looked into that religious order, but he didn't like it, and he didn't like the fact that they also did their studies in German. That was one of the reasons why they had uh, told him he was not good in the diocesan seminary, because he was not good at Latin or German. And also, he didn't like, of the Capuchins, the fact that they all had to wear a beard as a standard practice, a long beard. So he seriously felt that he would not be a good fit for them. He only entered the Capuchins, or considered the Capuchins, because his spiritual director recommended to write to them, and then, in a prayer novena that he made, he felt an interior voice telling him that he should apply to enter to the Capuchins in Detroit. However, even when he went there, it wasn't all beautiful. Actually, the day that he entered, he didn't feel the joy and the happiness that people would typically expect. On the contrary, he felt a great desolation and a kind of sadness, um, particularly or probably because of the rough setting that he found in his room and in the monastery, and also probably because of the dark, dreary uh, winters in southeast Michigan as he arrived in Detroit on December 24th in the evening, so in the middle of winter. So the reflection that I'm trying to gather is that sometimes people think, and uh, this is particularly true regarding one's religious vocation, people think that if one enters uh, the vocation that God wants for them, they should necessarily feel a certain joy and a happiness greater than anything else. And while that is, is very possible, it is not always that way. In fact, it was not that way for St. Teresa of Avila who said that she was a great enemy of being a nun, but then became a Carmelite sister. And it wasn't that way, at least not always that way, for St. Therese of Lisieux, who entered the convent, right? And uh, the day before her religious profession, she had a very profound and strong feeling that the whole idea of her being a Carmelite was a great delusion. Right, he felt she felt it was a deception, a pipe dream, and that was definitely not for her. And then, for uh, some reason that I won't explain right now, but she uh, continued with her decision that she had before to commit to the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And then everything changed and became much more uh, a, a spirit of consolation for her. Right, um, but at the beginning, uh, right before the day of final profession, she had a great desolation of spirit. And it wasn't that way either for Barney Casey, Father Solanus Casey eventually, who felt he would not be a good fit for the Capuchins. And as he wrote, actually, he wrote in a letter to his brother Maurice, he said to him that entering the Capuchins was one of the farthest things from his desires that he could imagine. He wrote this before actually entering the Campuchians. So when discerning one's vocation, while the natural inclination is of some importance, the natural inclination, right, is of some importance, it cannot be the main reason for entering this place or that place. Some people expect to find everything to their liking when they go to a visit a religious community or a seminary. But that principle of action might be the formula for failure. Because some people visit one place and then another and then another and in this place they didn't like this and that place they didn't like that and that place that other uh, priest was a little firm and then this one the seminarian was making fun of him. So finally they don't enter anywhere because there's nothing that, is, that suits them perfectly. But that on the other hand makes total sense. It is very probable that nothing will actually suit us absolutely perfectly, right? Uh, Instead, we have to consider and weigh the reasons and the hints that we have from God to discern what is actually His will, God's will, more than our liking or enjoyment or our comfort. And God's will most probably will lead us to the place where we can be of greater service to God and our neighbor. He will lead us to the place where we can sanctify ourselves better and hopefully find the means to persevere until death in that vocation to holiness. And not necessarily the place where everything will be fine, joyful, and comfortable, right? Um, So that is is the second aspect of his discernment, um, or vocational discernment. Now there's another uh, aspect of his life, that is the devotion to the Virgin Mary, another aspect that deserves some attention. His devotion to the Virgin Mary started when he was already very young. Since he was a child, his parents had enrolled him in the brown scapular of our Lady of Mount Carmel and he found strength and protection in this devotion. In fact, I shared with you in the previous episode how once he almost drowned and he clasped his scapular and he felt he was pulled up from under the water and saved. On another occasion when he, there was a serious financial difficulty for the family, apart from the prayers that they all did as a family together, Barney added the Holy Rosary to Our Lady on his knees, prayed privately in his room for the well-being of his parents and siblings so that they could survive, you know, that moment of uh, financial difficulty. Now, his devotion was crucial in the moment of discerning his vocation as well, as he entrusted his discernment to the Virgin Mary through a novena of prayers. And the Virgin Mary herself made herself present in his soul and actually, in a sense, spoke to him interiorly and helped him know where he had to go. So all his life, afterwards, as a Franciscan, he not only devoted time of prayer and silence in a sort of loving conversation with the Blessed Mother, but encouraged others constantly to do the same and to learn more about the Virgin Mary, especially by reading a certain life of the Virgin Mary that was popular in his time. He also entrusted to our spiritual mother all those who shared with him their sufferings and difficulties, which were many. So he spent a lot of time in prayer lifting up all the prayer intentions and petitions that uh, people brought to him. So his relationship to the Virgin Mar- with the Virgin Mary was very simple, very loving and childlike, like that of a son in the arms of his mother. So I can only encourage you to also have a constant love and recourse and devotion to the Virgin Mary. Not only to wear the bronze scapular or the miraculous medal or both, but moreover to make it a point of spending time with her and meditating frequently on the mysteries of uh, her life, the events of her life, maybe visiting a shrine in, in her honor and celebrating her feast days with special attention and so forth. Many other ways that you can find to grow in your devotion to Mary. In a word, you know, uh, try your best to make the Virgin Mary your mother as well. He, she is the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. Make her your spiritual mother as well. Now, one of the virtues, this is another topic of uh, discussion or reflection in the spirituality of Blessed Solanus, uh is that I found uh, a, one of his virtues most inspiring. And that was his humility connected with uh, his patience and his obedience. There must be hundreds of examples and situations uh, to illustrate this, but I will just focus on two. The first one is how he accepted with humility and interior peace and docility from the moment of his formation and all during his life. The fact of having been ordained a priest but not given permission to hear confessions, nor to deliver longer sermons. Uh, For this reason, he actually had to write a statement, a first statement during his novitiate, which I read in the previous episode. Uh, So you can go back to the previous episode and listen to that, and there I read that first statement he wrote during his novitiate. But then, before his final vows, or his perpetual vows, he had to write a second statement, very similar, but a little longer, uh, stating the same thing, that he was willing to stay uh, in the religious order of the Capuchins without, if it, if it was the case that he wouldn't be ordained a priest. So I'm going to read it uh, for you to know the, the deep humility that is expressed in those words. And he wrote the following. I, Solanus Casey, having entered the order with a pure intention and of my own free choice, wish to remain in the order, and I therefore humbly ask for admission to solemn profession. However, since I do not know whether, as a result of my meager talents and my defective studies, I am fit to assume the many-sided duties and serious responsibilities of the priesthood, I hereby declare, first, that I do not want to become a priest, if my legitimate superiors considered me unqualified. Second, that I still wish to be able to receive one or another of the orders, but will be satisfied if they exclude me entirely from the higher orders. I have offered myself to God without reservation. For that reason, I leave it without anxiety to the superiors to decide about me, as they may judge best before God up to there what Father S. Casey wrote and in today's mentality many young people would consider if that were the case that they are told they might not be ordained priests they might consider putting pressure on the authorities to obtain what they want or complain that what they consider their right is not granted to them so there's a sense of entitlement in our current society that seems a little bit arrogant and does not consider the greatness of the priesthood and the inadequacy of any human being to receive such graces as the priesthood. However, in Father Salinas, we see this amazing simplicity and humility, such a divinely inspired understanding of his own nothingness in the sight of God, that he was more than willing to submit to his lawful superiors in whatever they thought was the will of God for him, even if it meant to not be ordained a priest. So his humility made him very patient with all those around him and with superiors. And this humility also uh, made him patient in his service as a priest uh, later in life. Uh, And this patience connected to his humility was witnessed many times how he was willing to listen patiently to all the problems of the different people. He would even sometimes make some notes and encourage the people to pray. But all this with a clearly supernatural patience that was founded in a deep humility and love and faith, knowing that he was very little in comparison to God, and that these people came to him, but in reality they were seeking God. This humility, and this patience, visible in some occasions, uh, was more clear when he was treated poorly by some of his religious brothers. So it is uh, said that during the last years of his life, when he was living in Detroit, there was a priest, Father Elmer Stoffel, whom Father Solanus had known years ago when living in Indiana. Father Elmer was a novice master at that time and typically had to sit next to Father Solanus at table for the meals. Now, for some reason, Father Elmer concluded that Father Solanus was giving bad advice to the novices who came to him for advice. And on the other hand, he thought that Father Solanus was taking some pride and the prestige he was receiving because of the miracles that seemed to be worked through him. So Father Elmer started to make his feelings known to Father Solanus not only personally but also publicly and at table at times. So sometimes when he saw Father Solanus eating too little, he would ask him loudly, Are you trying to be a saint? Or other times he would say, You're trying to work miracles and take the honor of them, when in reality it is the Seraphic Mass Association that is doing all the work. Another priest who sat across the table, noticed all this. And uh, he recalled later, and it was taken as a witness and testimony for the canonization. He said, these accusatory remarks got a little strong at times, but Father Solanus just looked down and continued eating. He would never in any way be grieved or get mad. He took it. Sometimes he laughed. And other times you could see that it hurt a little. Other friars kidded with him a lot about many things, even his mispronouncing a word. Some would say that he was bluffing people, but they couldn't get him angry. So there are very uh, many other examples that I could share with you. Um, Like when a man came to the monastery at 4 a.m. and ran into the doorkeeper, who was Father Salanus and explained that he was there in the monastery to kill Father Solanus. Father Solanus, seeing his anger, sat with him, asked what was his problem, and after a long conversation, he was able to help the man put his problems behind and even go to confession. And only then, the man knew that this priest was Father Solanus, Casey, whom he had come to kill in his anger. Anyway, There are many other examples of humility, of patience, and of a spirit of service that we can see in the life of Father Solanus. But let's look uh, now at one of the most well-known spiritual teachings of Blessed Solanus Casey, and that is the importance of thanking God ahead of time. In other words, the importance of completely entrusting ourselves to the divine and loving providence of God. On one occasion, he wrote a letter about a lady who was cured from a stage 4 cancer. A cancer about which the doctors had said she would not leave the hospital alive. And people were terribly worried about her and for her. And through Falsolanus, she was completely cured. And then, speaking about this case, Falsolanus wrote the following. And I'm going to quote this from his own handwriting, uh, his own letter, because I think it is important to let the saints talk to us and talk to you at some point. Although it may be a little long, I hope it's not too boring. He wrote, But why worry? To worry about anything, St. Therese, the little flower, claims, is to indicate a want of confidence in God. She very likely speaks of excessive worrying. But why should we worry about anything? tumors, cancers, death? Why not rather turn to God, whose solicitude for our individual welfare, temporal as well as spiritual, puts all created solicitude out of the picture? Why not foster confidence in the divine providence by humbly and in a childlike humility, venture to remind him that we are his children. We should remind him that we are, or at least want to be, reckoned among his little ones. Therefore, we should thank him frequently, not only for the blessings of the past and the present, but thank him ahead of time for whatever he foresees as pleasing to him that we should suffer. We should do this not only in general. But in each particular case, we should leave everything absolutely in his divine disposal, including when, where, and how he may be pleased to dispose the event of our death. His letter is longer, but up to there is what I wanted to quote. In a nutshell, he always encouraged people to have a humble confidence in God. And if we truly get to the point of believing that God loves us infinitely and that everything comes to us according to his divine will, we will thank him for anything that he chooses for us. So we should pray, of course. And we should ask for what we think is best. But after that, we should say, like our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. And even thank him ahead of time for whatever it is that He, in his will will choose to give us. So the foundation of this attitude that Father Salan has taught is the knowledge of faith, a knowledge by which we know that God is all knowing, that he, he knows all things of the past, present and the future, that God is all powerful, and that is infinitely loving, and therefore nothing can escape his power, and that He has a plan for each one of us. And that he provides all that we need for that plan to be fulfilled. So that we may reach heaven and be with him forever. Because God as a loving father cares for you, for all of us. As Jesus teaches in the gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 and 30. That if God so takes care of the birds in the air and the lilies in the, of the field, how much more will he love us and take care of us? Of course, as long as we allow ourselves to be loved and helped by God. Because we are worth much more than many sparrows. So these are some of the spiritual thoughts and reflections I wanted to highlight in the spirituality of Blessed Solanas Casey. I hope they they were spiritually insightful and uh, inspiring. I hope you enjoyed the whole episode. And uh, that we may all learn to be humble and always trusting in God and giving Him thanks ahead of time when we ask any grace from our Lord. So thank you very much for sharing your time with me today. If you like this episode, please share it with others. And also if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I hope to see you next time. May God bless your day.